coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. <laughs> Two hundred nineteen days till Halloween. 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 Two hundred nineteen days till Halloween. Silver Shamrock. That was great. That, that was chaos. Great. That was pure chaos. Sing-alongs over Discord works so well. That did um, not work well at all. <laughs> wow. So welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies. I am Teddy. My bad. I had drink in my mouth. <laughs> and we're here for week two of Buzzed on Movies in Quarantine Edition. Um, yeah, we're we're not going to the movies, uh, just like the doctor ordered. So we're just sitting at home watching all sorts of random stuff, including the Halloween series, which we've decided to pick back up on. But first, I think we'll we're just going to give you a little rundown of what we've been doing while we've been trapped at home. Uh, so is there anything interesting that you've seen recently, Matt? So interesting would be a really big word. And one, <laughs> the thing that I've been doing has been watching just like the shittiest movies I can watch. Um, so <laughs> it's a coping mechanism. I, coping I respect mechanism. Um, it's not really all that are shitty. Um, I will say some of them have been shitty uh, and some of them have been tangentially related to pandemics. I did watch mimic, which is sort of like an outbreak movie. Um, it's really like a bug infestation movie. It's about cockroaches. Um, it, that's really weird. upsetting. It's about cockroaches in New York city. A lot of it takes place in the subway. There's just like a lot of things for me that are really uh, hashtag triggering. And so <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, Mira Sorvino stars, which was also like a delight. I forgot that she was like an actress who does work. So that was cool. Um, I have also been watching uh, just like really bad movies. I had a night where I just watched a bunch of like shark horror movies um, while oh drinking God. tiki drinks. And I picked oh, like that sounds great. shark movies that was like 47 meters down on caged, which is just like heinous. Um, the sharks are blind. I just need everybody to know that going into meters <laughs> down on blind sharks. Right? They're blind sharks. And at one point somebody's like, they must've evolved down here. Yeah, no shit. Why else are they blind? Um, <laughs> um, I watched shark night 3d, uh, which was just like a delight. <laughs> it's on Netflix for free. Um, I mean, it's not free. You have to pay for Netflix, but it's on Netflix. It's a 2011 movie. Uh, it stars Sarah Paxton and Dustin Milligan and Catherine McPhee. So it's like really really excellent and everybody should watch it it's terrible it's directed by david r ellis who did a couple of the final destination movies he did snakes on a plane um so this is you know you should see it he's also like dead now so watch oh. it um <laughs> rest in peace uh not related to the coronavirus i feel like i have to say that right now um, right. so he died before uh but yeah so i've just been watching stuff like that um i watched the one of the texas chainsaw movies the best movie i've watched was Night of the Demons, which is a 1988 movie. Ooh, yeah. Which is really good. Uh, I'd never seen it before, but it, it it does have like a cult following. So I was like, this would be a really fun thing to finally get around to. And it was a fucking blast. I don't, 
I don't know how I've missed out. That's like my precise aesthetic and movie. It's like demon infestation becomes, I don't, it's like sort of a slasher in like tone, but it's really about demons. It's like people doing like teens or being like horny and getting murdered. This is like exactly what I like in movies. <laughs> yep. Um, that's, that's the like, stuff right there. <laughs> so like, it's great. Uh, everybody who watched Night of the Demons, it's directed, Kevin Tenney directs it and he directs like the shit out of it. It's awesome. Um, it's on Prime anyone can watch it so um i mean it's on prime if you have prime but right now i mean if you don't have prime right now i encourage you to get it because what else the fuck can anyone do um yeah. but <laughs> right or like, not give money to jeff bezos i guess but you know if there's ever time to invest in a new streaming service uh this would be it the time so. for for a month or two yeah and so hey, that's been my life oh i yeah. finished crazy ex-girlfriend that's a thing it's not oh, a movie wow. but that was like a whole season of TV I had to watch within the past week. So, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I've been watching a lot more TV because it does like the the endless days do seem to lend themselves to just binging more and more TV. I've been uh, trying to finish Twin Peaks. Finally, I've been watching that with Lauren and nice. uh, that's been really crazy. Lots of fun. Twin Peaks is great. Great, great show. Really good. Um and also, I saw Harold and Maude last night for the first time ever. Really good also movie. Also great movie. Very funny. Yeah. Also on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah, and I've just been watching... Oh, oh, I saw uh, Contagion the other night, which that yes, was... A choice. That was a, a fun experience. Uh, Had you seen it before? No. This is the okay. first time I'd seen it. Really, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a huge fan. Oh, I liked it. I mean... A I, lot of people do. I just think it's kind of silly. It's... <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. Silly is the word, but uh, it's it's very unusual. It like it it's not very like plot based. It seems it's like very factual based. They seem more devoted to providing like a scientific view of how an outbreak might happen than like really playing up the drama around it. But um, yeah, but they got it kind of wrong because like the problem with you know the reason outbreaks happen is because nobody will test anyone so that's what yeah we, well, that's what we found out in 2020 they, they didn't they didn't uh, um they didn't anticipate that and another interesting thing is the medical advisor on that movie has tested positive for coronavirus um, so <laughs> sorry that's not that's, funny that's, just no, like it's not. <laughs> that's a bit of news that came out last week uh more some more fun movie news uh connected to this outbreak yeah, lots of, lots there are of there game. have been some like downer news stories related to this outbreak. There have been some deaths that are, have been really upsetting. Um, yeah, so, definitely. Uh, uh, things are actually pretty bad out there. Well, in in other film related coronavirus news, uh, Harvey Weinstein is tested positive for the coronavirus. Thoughts that's like and prayers. Not, that's yeah. Well, thoughts and prayers that he will succumb. Uh, <laughs> Um, all right then yeah uh, <laughs> um i don't mean to be harsh nah 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 uh, we're, <laughs> we're all really pulling for him um but yeah so that's that's what i've been up to recently and of course watching the latest well not the latest i mean the the next installment in the halloween series that we're going to cover halloween 3 season of the witch we're here. We're finally doing it. Just imagine that we we came through a portal from October and we're just showing up here now ready to review Halloween 3. 
Uh, and let me tell you, if we did come through that portal, we'd be pretty pretty surprised right now at the way things that's, are going. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, is that we're just we're just gonna try to try to enjoy this movie, try to wash away the thoughts of what's going on in the outside world, just enjoy being in 1981 California in the uh, hip and happening times of Halloween three. So um california here we come here we come (laughs) halloween 3 is a bit of a departure from the main storyline of the halloween series yeah a bit of a bit yeah a bit a bit in the it doesn't involve michael myers it doesn't involve murders taking place in haddonfield illinois or anything uh, in the world of Halloween 3, actually, and this is kind of interesting, the first two Halloween movies are movies in that universe. It's kind of That's like correct. it's kind of like the way Quentin Tarantino has like the two separate universes within his uh, interconnected OVRA. Um, in this one, like you can see ads on the TV for Halloween, like a, a TV screening of the movie later yeah it's actually i mean it's interesting because the the whole like the the villain's plot is really dependent on the movie halloween like it the the, he the villain's plot assumes that everybody's going to watch the movie halloween so they will watch this one ad that airs right afterwards like yeah (laughs) it's a really it's an interesting there's probably a thematic concept in there that we can unpack at some point once we've actually talked about the plot but like uh, that's it's an interesting choice i think it also is funny that there is a scene in this movie wherein the villain straps down the hero and forces him to watch halloween yeah <laughs> which is that's like a real uh that really makes you think right there doesn't it <laughs> it makes you think um <laughs> but uh so the basic the basic premise of halloween 3 season of the witch is that uh Daniel Chalice, as played by Tom Atkins, is a doctor who comes across. He's very, <laughs> very what? I said hot. He's very hot. Okay. <laughs> interesting. Interesting take. Uh, I would have said he's very drunk, but uh, he can well, be both, I suppose. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Are those connected in your mind? Is, no, is that, that don't say that. that. That's that's that sad. That's when things are getting sad. And is that the appeal? Like, I should ask my therapist about why this <laughs> is the case. All right. <laughs> like, daddy. Um, I'm like, awesome. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, all right. So, I mean, he he definitely has the whole dad thing going on severely in this movie. Strong divorce dad energy. Yeah, and um, his lover has dad issues. So, hey. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yes, and that's that's very much a part of the film. Anyway, so he's he's a doctor uh and sort of a booze hound and he Sort of? A- <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to. It. Anyway, he get he comes across this strange case at his hospital where um this guy like comes in uh he gets brought in by a gas station attendant and after he like ran screaming into the gas station and he like, he's clutching a mask and like, he just keeps saying like, they're going to get us. They're going to get us or something. And um, then later in the night, he gets murdered by this guy who comes into the hospital, like plunges his 
fingers into his eyes and like rips his skull apart and then goes into the parking lot, gets in his car and sets himself on fire. So he does what Michael Myers would do to anyone. Essentially, other than the setting himself on fire part, I mean, Michael Myers just waits for someone else to set him on fire. And then just walks out of it. Yeah, just walks out of it. This guy does not fare so well from the whole uh, self-immolation thing. He His car explodes, and he apparently explodes as well. Um, But in any rate, this is something that is very shocking. And for some reason, Dr. Chalice... It feels that he has to investigate this. And so he basically becomes like a detective in the latter half of the film trying to figure out what is going on. Yeah, but he's like a shitty detective. He's like not good at this. <laughs> he's really, he's really, he's like good. really bad. And part of it is because he's drunk and horny, but like some of it is just because like he's not cut out for that. He's not like a detective minded person. All he does is like, save lives i don't know i mean you would think actually you would think that that requires some detective work you think there'd be some crossover and like the brain skills required to do these things right but. and i mean what more fitting film for our time right now than this film in which a doctor is the hero uh um, there's actually well this is like he's sort of like an anti-hero um there are anyway, yes there are a lot of like I don't want to say it's like similar, but like there's like this eerie thematic element to this movie that feels like very apt to the world we're living in right now. Um, one, this movie takes place in Santa Mira, which in this movie is a company town, essentially. Like it's all run by Silver Shamrock, like everything yes. in this town. Um, and like company towns are already like a thing that people don't talk enough about how like disturbing that is. And so like, in this movie, it's, like, very creepy. They have curfews. They shut down before the sun goes down. Like, if you say anything bad about Silver Shamrock, you get murdered um, <laughs> by robots. Um, I don't know. It, there's also a part where I kept screaming um, where, at one point, our hero doctor man... Do- um, what's his name? Um, Dr. Chalice. Dr. Chalice. Why is that? Anyway, um, he is drinking because that's what he does a lot of. And he's running around the town. It's after dark. Curfew has been called, but he's doing it anyway. Um, And he runs into a homeless man. And like, he's like, can I have a drink? I don't have nothing. I I, I I don't have nothing. I'm not sick. (laughs) He specifically says like, that bottle looks a little heavy. Yes. (laughs) Which is a great line. It's very good. But also just, like, being like, can I have a drink from your bottle? I don't have any illnesses. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's, like, the coronavirus, like, mood. Um, <laughs> it may be that I'm, like, hyper aware of all these things right now, but I definitely was like, no, no, no. Don't do yeah. that. Um, and, yeah, and, and there is there is sort of a, an element to it of, um, like, there's this big catastrophe coming and like nobody knows about it and like this guy is desperately trying to get people to pay attention to it and nobody believes him and that yeah, and there's a, there's like an infectiousness to it like like in this town like they're all like brainwashed to believe like whatever silver shamrock says and like it's not even clear that they're all like quote unquote robots whatever silver shamrock does to people i'm not really sure um but like, like the hotel owner, I don't know. You don't really find out that he's like had his head lobotomized. Like, 
yeah. for all for all we know he's just like some guy who like gets paid off by silver shamrock or something like we we don't really know and so it just seems like this town is like all like whatever is happening at silver shamrock is like contaminating the whole town and their goal is to like make it the whole world but like i don't know well their goal is not to make it the whole world their goal is to like murder everyone but like you know what i mean yeah okay so Let's let's get more into the the plot of Silver Shamrock and what they're trying to accomplish here. Uh, so the our hero, <laughs> Doctor Chalice, uh, who's by by the way, like this entire time he's avoiding his kids and his ex wife. Like he he keeps saying like he was supposed to take them some night, and he keep put, putting it off because he's doing this crazy investigation for some okay, reason. To be fair, it's like kind of fair that he at this point is putting it off, but you get the distinct impression that he does that all the time anyway. So yeah, um, <laughs> this is like, this is not unusual behavior for him, except this time, like maybe there's a legitimate reason, but a great, one of the great, many great Dr. Chalice's a drunk moments in this movie is when he's, calling his wife from a payphone to tell her that he's going to a conference when he's actually going off to uh investigate this whole situation and he's got like a six pack of miller on top of the payphone oh yeah (laughs) it's like and it's the only thing he's bringing on this road trip too which they establish later like there's one little suitcase in the back that's the girl who he's going with and like he doesn't have anything with him other than this six pack of beer because he's an alcoholic. Yes. Oh, certainly. He's and a mess. So anyway, when he heads off, he teams up with the daughter of the guy who got murdered at the hospital, who um, like knows, knows that her father was in this town before he got murdered and knows that he was there to, buy some masks because he runs a toy store and he um and like and this town uh is run by silver shamrock which produces these masks that are insanely popular that there have been all these ads on tv about and that they're gonna have like this big event on halloween night with a television broadcast it's like a really weird thing so like First of all, the company only makes masks, maybe? Um, And I have a lot of questions about, like, the just, like, profit margins. But, like, also, like, maybe I just, like, don't live in, like, what, 1982? Um, But, like, would this really be a big thing? Like, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it... I feel like it's supposed to be, like, a stand-in for any sort of like hyper commercialism directed at children. Like uh, I, I don't think that kids generally get that hyped up about masks, but uh, like any sort of toy, you could see something like this building up maybe. Right. I guess that's probably true. It like, and I definitely think you're right. It's supposed to be a stand in, but I think that masks are just like always significant, especially in Halloween, the Halloween franchise um, where Michael Myers will like not do anything with his mask on. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yeah, the, it does it does uh have a bit of a connection to the earlier Halloween movies in that way. Um <laughs> also the first one of the first times uh that Halloween the the original movie is referenced in this movie is in a bar <laughs> where <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> where Dr. Chalice is just sitting by himself 
in the bar just like watching the TV in the middle of the day. Yeah, he is. He's just like watching. Okay, well, actually, he's watching and like something shitty comes on that he doesn't want to watch. He's like, can you turn the channel? He's like in this bar. The bar stools are turned upside down on some of the tables. Like it's clearly not fully open. Like <laughs> he's got like, like a special I, arrangement with the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> and like my favorite part of this whole, I mean, there's a lot that's good here. Like he doesn't want to watch whatever's on the TV. So they'll turn it. And of course he will. He's the only patron in this bar. And like, at one point you see an ad for Halloween. He's like, Oh man. And th- then you hear the sir- silver shamrock jingle happening on the TV. And he's like, rawr, 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 rawr. And anyway, then the girl that he's going to go on a trip to Santa Mira comes in and she's like, yeah, the nurse at the hospital told me I could find you here. And I was like, at the bar when it's not even open? <laughs> of course. Of course. They knew. It's like his regular haunt. I yeah. also love that the reason that he um, is on the scene when the murder happens is that he goes to take a nap on the couch in his office. Well, because he's drunk. <laughs> he's clearly intoxicated when he comes in to like do to be on call he is drunk he like he takes his kids to the to to his ex-wife who is one of the victims in halloween one the ex-wife is um ooh, really like the same actress yeah oh good connection um and so um he takes he takes his kids to that that the ex the blonde woman you know the ex-wife and so um and she's like he gets a page to go into the to the hospital. And she's like, oh, good. Drinking and doctoring. Great combination. <laughs> and it's like, God, she like, no wonder she left him. Like, I would too. Um, but yeah, it sucks. And then he gets to the hospital and goes to take a nap. <laughs> what a Great mess. stuff. Great stuff. Anyway, so they, they go check out this town and it's really creepy. Like we said, they have curfews. Like everything in the town is owned by Silver Shamrock, and a bunch of weird stuff happens. We'll we'll cover that in detail, but just to, just to sum everything up here, they find out that there's this plot going on in the Silver Shamrock Company that like they're being run run by witches apparently, and they're trying to make a blood sacrifice on the evening of Halloween, and. The way they're going to accomplish this is through the masks that they've been selling to children, which have a piece of a stone from uh, Stonehenge in them, which they've somehow managed to obtain. Um, And then when somehow in synchronization with this TV broadcast they're going to do, it's going to trigger some sort of horrible thing to happen to all the kids who are wearing them. Like we get one view of what might happen to one child they do like an experiment and they show like bugs and snakes crawling out of his head so it looks pretty horrible whatever's going to happen it really doesn't look fun it looks like it's quick though so yeah he doesn't suffer that long this is relatively speaking he still suffers it's like kind of upsetting but yeah it's pretty it's pretty upsetting and um they also find out that uh, like all these creepy henchmen who they've seen going around the town and who are like working in the factory and working on the computers that are making all of this horrible stuff happen. They're all robots. Like, Oh, they, they are robots. <laughs> they've met, perfected this process of making like perfectly lifelike looking robots who just sort of carry out 
uh, Cochrane's various tasks. The doctor has to uh, has to foil this plot, and he <laughs> just like the word foil. <laughs> yes, he's yeah. So he's he's not the best person to uh, to take down this giant evil company apparently, but he manages to at least uh, like kill all the robots and uh, handle the, the boss of the whole company, Connell Cochran. Uh, but then he still has to stop the broadcast. So um, that's, that's the real challenge at the end of this movie. It is. The end of this movie is very strange. There's a lot going on that happens like very, very quick succession and some of it i'm not sure makes sense um his plot to destroy okay first of all fucking love the robots work lab um it's a giant warehouse basement where they have a bunch of tvs in a circle and (laughs) they sit inside of this circle of tvs and computer screens one of them just shows like wave graph bars like swinging across the screen like i don't really know what they're supposed to mean are they like sound waves what are they why are these wavelengths just going across the screen um and they're all wearing lab coats and they're just like um and they're like really (laughs) (laughs) they're really stupid all of these robots um and they don't speak which by the way is like the biggest like red red flag in this movie that they never speak because fucking Dr. Chalice is a goddamn moron. Um, And so like his genius plan to stop them is that like before the commercial set to air, he takes a tin of like, or a box, a tin. Um, I'm becoming British. He takes a box of, (laughs) he takes a sachet of, uh, Um, he takes a box of the silver shamrock logos, all of which have like some minor minuscule piece of Stonehenge in them. Um, I guess they got Stonehenge and just like busted it up into like a bazillion pieces and put like a tiny, like unseeable grain in each of these. Yeah. It shows them like chipping off little pieces of the one big stone that they have. Yeah. And, um, and like it's like actually impressive because you think about the power that one piece of Stonehenge gave these masks. Like, could you imagine if they'd like somehow harnessed like a whole chunk of rock at one time? They would have like taken out a continent. Anyway, um, he takes the <laughs> box of silver shamrock logos and throws them down so they rain down upon all of these robots while the commercial's playing. And so like lasers just shoot everywhere and kill everyone. And like I have no idea why. Yeah. I genuinely don't know. I have I don't understand what was going on. Um I was just like watching, like, man, yeah. This really makes no fucking sense, huh? So, um, so the powers the powers of these little chips that contain the um the piece of Stonehenge, first of all, they're it's like a microchip that has the piece planted in it somehow. So there's also some sort of electronic element, which is I guess what is triggered by the TV broadcast. But anyway, it's, it's unclear what they, what the power actually is because we see it operate in several different ways. There's the first time we actually see it, which is that woman at the motel who, uh, like the piece accidentally falls off of her mask. And then she's like 
playing with it and it misfires and like melts her face off. Oh yeah, that's like real <laughs> creepy. And then we see the the test with the kid and his family where he's actually wearing the mask and watching the TV broadcast and you see like the mask like sort of melts a little bit and then like bugs start crawling out of his eyes and then snakes start coming out and stuff. So it presumably like just like disintegrates your head and turns it into bugs and snakes. It like <laughs> it's actually unclear because it doesn't really disintegrate your head because like you could still see like his like browned skin and like also when it hits that woman like it like just like blew her face off but like she her face was still there but the bugs still started coming out of her you see it happen like a bug oh, yeah. crawls out of her mouth and like so i don't really know does it like turn your brain to bugs um like <laughs> i don't um, know like it's and like then, really weird though yeah and with the robots it just like sort of fries them so like right. and that's well, they yeah, have like I, synthetic skin, you know. Yeah, I guess they don't have the organic material needed to create the bugs and the snakes or whatever. Yeah, um, but it's also interesting when it does turn the kid's head into like bugs and snakes because it's like a vast array of bugs. There's just like multiple bugs. It's kind of roachy. It's all like really gross. And then there's like a rattlesnake. Like it has to specifically be a rattlesnake. Um, I don't know why. Yeah. It's very funny though to me that it comes out and you see it shaking the rattle. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> There's one big rattlesnake because that's the one that bites the dad and then he dies from that. Yeah, but I do appreciate that because it's ingenious because it's like when the, the masks go off and do this in the real world, it's not like the parents are going to be able to collectively sue the company because mo a lot of them are probably going to be killed by these snakes because they're confused about what's going on and just let themselves get bit. So, uh, yeah. You know. It's it's not apparent if there's any sort of plan for the fallout that happens when people realize that Silver Shamrock was behind this. I assume that they're willing to let the company just dissolve. Um, whatever. They will have the power of Stonehenge and anime on their side. So they won't <laughs> <care>. <laughs> so Connell Cochran, who's the head of Silver Shamrock, is really good um he's a great character and he has a number of like nice monologues and stuff but he has a really good monologue where he explains like what they're trying to do and talks about how like in ancient times there were sacrifices given to uh assuage the spirits and how there hasn't been one in so long and now like basically the reason why they're doing this is to like create a big sacrifice to assuage the spirits um, and it has to be on Halloween because that's like the traditional night of uh, the sacrifice. Yeah. It has to be on Halloween. I actually think it's kind of cool. Um, and like, we can talk about this as we go move through the series, but it does sort of pave the way for like when things get weird later on in Halloween, you get like the cold oh, yeah. Sam Hain, like yes, and stuff like yes. that. And so like, there's some, there's some interesting stuff going on there. There's also now that we talk about it, like a swaging, like, the like old gods or whatever it's very like cabin in the woods um oh yeah yeah like and so i there is like an interesting concept that's not i mean this probably not the first time it's used in horror but it's one of the more prominent early examples and like something that's going to come up again and again in horror as like we go through the years right and so like i think it's just a cool idea um and i i think it's a a nice especially in conjunction with like this like weird 
thing that you keep saying this motif of like you know Cochrane straps uh chalice down and makes him watch halloween or whatever you know like and like there's this idea where like you have to watch halloween and halloween sets you up for like this like giant prank that's gonna kill like half the kids in america and like it's all about like watching this movie and having to watch it. And then the ultimate sacrifice and it's all to appease a sacrifice to appease these gods. And it's, it's this weird thing on like major horror film. Like there's like, there's some, some discussion happening there that I'm not smart enough to engage in right now. But, um, <laughs> at least not solo at this exact moment, but it's there it's happening. And it's definitely an interesting thing that cabin in the woods takes up later. And I don't know if they even know that they're following in the footsteps of Halloween three season of the witch or not, but they are. <laughs> Oh, I, I think that like the people behind Cabin in the Woods were very aware of like horror in general. So I'm sure that they were at least aware of Halloween three. I hope um, so. I do hope so. This is a movie that doesn't get a lot of like even though it's definitely like recognized by the horror community now, like people like it. This is like it was hated at the time of release. Um mm -hmm. but it is like a genuine generally like in the horror community, this is a very well regarded film now. People love this movie. Yeah. Um, it's seen a lot of a uh, revival of its image recently. Right. Uh, and so, so, but I don't know if people like pay homage to it necessarily. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, like I love a lot of things about this movie. I love the like synthy score. I like, I do. Yeah. The music is so, so good. Much. In this one. Um, and, and that's I part of that why synthy score like really was influential on a lot of horror that has come since like there's a lot of synth driven horror scores and this was one of the like the earlier like just like i mean it's like really early 80s synthy like it's not yeah. it's not a joke <laughs> yeah so like music is always really good and really important in the halloween movies uh we've seen it so far in halloween one and two um Halloween one was obviously very like piano driven and stuff. And they were, there was a little bit of sense in Halloween two. This one is like all sense, like all super intense, super creepy. Just the way that they build the mood through the sense in this film is just so incredible. And, um, the score is a big part of why, um, this movie has been seeing a little bit of a revival recently because they they released the the score on vinyl. Yeah, um, I bought it. People have been like, <laughs> yeah, like you. A lot of people have been out there snatching it up because this stuff really bangs and yeah. it's, it's it's really so good. Cool. It creates such a vibe, and it actually like, I mean, there's like a, a and maybe someday we can talk about just like California horror. There's definitely like a subgenre of horror set specifically in California that's really weird. Oh yeah, um, Lost and, Boys. Lost Boys, um, I'm thinking about The Fog, the original The Fog, which is also oh, yeah. John Carpenter, yeah. right? John um, Carpenter. Um, the original The Fog is set in California, and it also has a really remarkable score. If you've never seen it, watch it, listen to the music. It's a really interesting score. Um, mm -hmm. And But, like, this score really feels like a California horror score from the 80s. Like, it feels very much like this should take place on the West Coast, there should be like an ocean not far from these people at any given moment. Even if they don't go there, you know, it's there. Like it feels yeah. very right. It really sets the tone in a very good way. I mean, I also think that like the idea of this movie as like being like about this, like, I mean, it is in some ways it's definitely about like economic anxieties and like capitalism maybe in some ways. Um, 
and you know that's like maybe beyond yeah. i don't i don't know if that's really beyond, i was gonna say that might be beyond what carpenter was going for but carpenter also made a movie that like was about like the perils of suburbia and identity and fate versus like building your own future and nature versus nurture so i don't know like he's actually mm. creating some intense shit anyway um, Car carpenter made they live so i think <laughs> like we're we're more than willing to read politics into things yeah, that he makes so, oh yeah that's very political um i also watched that recently um but they this movie is like like thinking about it in that way it really makes sense that it's set in california and not like back in like the midwest um which is, of course, an area that also is affected by capitalism because everyone in the U.S. is. But, like, you know, the the coasts are where you really think of, like, the big capitalist hubs. Um, yeah. And so, and California has its own specific connection to capitalism, a lot of which has to do with, like, weird identity issues, which can come back to the mask thing. Because, um, you know, California is known for, like, acting and celebrity and that kind of mm -hmm. comes back to masks in a lot of ways which is why this movie keeps bringing up the artifice of its own pre the movies that came before it in the own franchise um yeah which is like a really weird thing um it's it's self-referential towards hollywood and yeah. i i do think that there's a very clear uh like fear of corporations in this movie like that just the large corporation that's able to do something as crazy as like buy out a whole town or somehow obtain one of the stones from stonehenge and ship it over to the u.s like it, it's just like this idea that you don't have to really look far to find a like a, a being of almost unlimited power that could cause great evil you just have to look for a corporation in your own country it's true man yeah i mean there's definitely a distrust of corporations in this movie right and i think that that's probably correct i mean that's like correct in general maybe um but yeah. maybe quote um yeah uh this the funny thing about this is that when all of these kids die uh because the movie is not clear on what actually happens at the end but when all of the kids die mm -hmm. and there's the inevitable like emergency happening in the country probably the Senate bails out Silver Shamrock. So <laughs> it's not really a big deal. Um, they, they, they'll be given access to that $5 billion slush fund. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, again, this movie is very timely. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is unclear what really happens at the end. Uh, I think that's intentional. We, um, yeah. It, it, I think the that, I mean, it's a horror movie. It's extremely intense and memorable. I think that um, just going back to like the idea of the corporation, it like really, I mean, a lot of movies of the eighties were dealing with the rise of corporations. That's why you have like Blade Runner. Uh, but like this movie really did like, in a lot of ways foretell a lot of things that are going to happen. Like, like Silver Shamrock runs this town. We see that now with corporations, except for now they run like the entire country. Like, Amazon is like in charge half the time. Um, yeah, but I mean, like there's also like this are, like have been around towns, for a while, right? Yeah, company towns are just like spooky, um, and they should not. Ex anyway, that's like a whole, that's a whole thing. Company <laughs> towns should not exist. Um, that's creepy, and that should not happen. Um, 
But also, like, it's like a surveillance state in this company town. Like, there are cameras everywhere. If you say one thing wrong, like, we see the homeless man who wanted to take a drink from Dr. Chalice's bottle gets murdered by the robots because he said something kind of bad about Cochran. Um, Cochran, that's right, right? Yeah. Um, And so, um, he, you know, we see this happening again and again. And, like, I mean, like, it's kind of like this, like, weird spooky like parallel to the fact that like we all have google homes in our apartments right now and, i guess like... <laughs> so yeah they've, they've got microphones like everywhere they yeah. like they find out that um chalice is looking into cochran because they have a microphone behind the desk in the hotel where he's staying yeah. and uh like they can they can apparently just shut off the phones at will because like he constantly keeps trying to call out to like warn people about this and the like the phone will just be like we're sorry please dial again so like they basically have control over everything it is like a hyper sensitive surveillance state here where just like literally everything is under control of silver shamrock yeah it's a weird so, because that's mm, yeah, there's just like a lot of bad happening. Silver Shamrock <laughs> is bad. Silver Shamrock is real bad, and they're they're like capitalism taken to the extreme. But then they're also uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not a good time. It's a very bad. Yeah, I think that I don't know. I I feel like there's like a lot of critique of capitalism going on there. But then like the movie doesn't really like tell you what you're supposed to do because it, it seems like he fails. Like <laughs> yeah, he doesn't exactly win and. uh even if he does win, he might lose everyone that he loves in the process. Um, because he definitely, spoiler, full spoiler alert for a movie that came out <laughs> almost 30 years ago or whatever. Uh, or what, 40 <laughs> years ago? Wow. Um, Close to 40, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, he, the girl that he's like into in this movie dies. Um, and like she dies because she gets taken by the robots and gets, I guess, lobotomized. Um, I don't really understand. But well, I think I think they just make robots of people. So, yeah, like she gets she gets kidnapped, and then he thinks he rescues her. Um, during his whole plot, like th- his whole like escape and foiling the plot scene, but right, then right. she turns out to be a robot who attacks him. I'm thinking that, um, uh, like the real uh ellie is still back at the factory either dead or alive we don't really know but um like the robot is just something that they created like out of cloth that makes sense yeah um he's kind of an idiot because she never speaks and like that's like the big sign that these things that it's a robot it like the min- I mean, I didn't think it the first time I watched it either because they're in like these intense situations and maybe she wouldn't stop to speak at any moment but like she didn't even say oh what's going on ever like she never asked one question and you didn't think hmm this is really weird <laughs> a little um, odd that she's not because speaking she um... actually is kind of talkative as a character right. uh, she's not silent um she has opinions and she says them and she's like i'm going to be here until i figure out what's like she would say so anyway um so he loses her he definitely doesn't have an ex-wife um, who cares about him. He has a fling at the the hospital or in like the morgue, the city morgue. But like yeah. she dies. Um, 
he yeah she gets like drilled in the head by one of the robots and that's because she's getting too close to figuring it out like yeah um, so can we talk about the fact that he like keeps calling her up for clues and stuff like he's he's a, like a detective out in the field you know like uh yeah tell i me mean more it's... about these parts you found on the scene of the explosion it's funny because it's like there's a lot of like parallels to just like typical like sort of like hard-boiled detective narrative elements here like in one of them it's like having the connection to the like the medical world and the the morgue and like you can just call them up but in this in his case it's like this woman that he's clearly like stringing along like <laughs> yeah like, uh and she's like it's clear at one point he's him, and he's like man i'm gonna go sleep with this girl who could be my daughter um, he's like, I'll take you out. She's like, Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like she's he's she's obviously been strung along but for a while. But <laughs> she's letting it happen. So but she's letting uh, it happen. And she's like acting like he's like a detective out in the field and not like some random doctor. Yeah, he's just a doctor. Um but so like he loses her, and then like the last we know of his kids is that he calls his ex-wife and he's like take the masks, take the masks. And we can hear her being like, oh, you're just jealous because they liked my masks more than they liked yours. And like, she basically, he has to hang up. And so we never know if they see the commercial while wearing the masks. The yeah, I mean, he only canceled like two commercials. All the other ones still aired. So it's pretty likely that they saw it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> considering they seemed very hyped up for it. Yeah, um, we saw them in an earlier scene, like watching one of the commercials that was advertising the fact that there would be this big event on Halloween and they were wearing their masks and jumping up and singing along to it. So, yeah, I think it's pretty it's pretty definite that those kids at least saw it. Yeah. Um, so, like, so basically, even if he stopped capitalism's like big scheme, like he fucking lost everything, like it yeah. only saved like maybe 50 lives total. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's there's definitely like a an overlap uh, between this movie and They Live, which is like the idea that there's this horrible secret in society that you and you alone know, and you're desperately trying to tell people about it, but nobody wants to listen or they won't believe you. And like you're like practically screaming at the top of your lungs, and yet you still can't get people to figure out that like there, there's some horrible thing that's about to happen. Like I, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think that there's a lot of parallels between this and They Live. I think that They Live was what year? Do you uh, know, They Live came out in 1988. Yeah, so it's like very shortly after this. Like years later, he has yeah. it on the brain when he's making this movie already. Probably, if I had to guess, like you know, and if not, like this movie sort of like triggered it. Like you know, like, like sets the way for what comes next. Yeah, to be clear, uh, the Carpenter didn't direct this. Like, no, but he uh, but he was involved. He definitely, in that. Yeah. yeah, produced and, and was involved in this. So, like, a lot of these ideas were probably churning around in his head at this time. Yes. Um, so yeah. A anyway, like to to give away the end here, just so we're all clear how this thing finishes out. Uh, he he's running away from the uh, company town in a very similar way to how the movie opens where we see this guy who ends up getting murdered running towards the gas station to like tell people about this. He ends up at the same gas station 
Yeah. When the gas station attendant says, hey, don't I know you? Because he saw him earlier at the hospital when he brought that guy in. Uh, and he like calls the television stations up telling them to turn it off. And um, he, uh, in the meantime, like kids come in trick or treating and they're watching the TV in the gas station. And you can see that like they turn the show off on two of the channels, but the kids keep flipping the channel and they find one more that's still on and they can't get it off. And he keeps yelling, stop it, stop it, stop it. And the movie just ends there. Yeah. So, and, and all the while the, uh, the, the beeping sound of the commercial is playing and it get like ratchets up really intensely. It, like it's a very intense ending to this movie. I just love it. Yeah, uh, it, it's just like so like you know that like something horrible is just about to happen and then like the movie ends. It's like, oh shit. It's it's heavy. I mean, it's upsetting. Like <laughs> you know he basically watched those like children die in front of him in a gas station. Granted, who brings their kids to get trick or treat candy at a gas station? <laughs> a great um, question, certainly. Uh, but <laughs> but even even more frightening is you like you know that there's like thousands of more children watching this across the country. Uh, to <laughs> it's just this knowledge that all this is taking place away from you, and that you you're powerless to stop it. Um. But yeah, and and um, the the whole jingle that they have going for these commercials is really uh, a very prominent motif in this movie, and it comes to a head at the very end here. Um, just that bouncing synth jingle, um, it gets into your head really... too. It's like <laughs> yeah, it is. I've been like singing it like off and on since I watched the movie two days ago. It's just like me, just like I'll be like cooking eggs 10 a.m. and I'll be like, two more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna die now. Um, it's very catchy and um, it plays at least like 10 times during this movie, so you have yeah. plenty of chance to get like conditioned to it. But then at the end, it's like it has a very sinister undertone because it's like it's finally here. Yeah, the and, end is like this, like very loud version of it. It's very, yeah. very frightening. And um, the flashing pumpkin on the screen too is uh, is really cool. It's uh, also like part of the the opening credits to this are really cool. Like they have like that sort of creepy synth score, but also you're seeing uh, like a digital pumpkin being formed. Um, sort of like the first two Halloweens when you're seeing a jack-o'-lantern, but in this one, it's a digital pumpkin, which is sort of, uh, it's both a, um, a call out to the, uh, presence of technology in this film. And also like, it's literally the same pumpkin that you see flashing on the screen during these ads for silver shamrock. Yeah. I love the opening credits here. I love that it's like this like digital construction of a pumpkin. I think that's really cool. I think it's a nice like progression. It like tells you, it really sets the tone for what you're getting yourself into. Like it's like, yes, this is a quote unquote Halloween movie, but it is a very different movie. It is not going to be this like thing with a guy in a mask 
um, the shape. He's not here for this. Um, and you know, like it, it just like really sets you up for what you're about to get, which is this weird, like digital age moot horror. Like you're not getting whatever. I mean, Halloween itself could have taken place in fucking 1810 and it would have been the same plot. Like there's no, like, yeah. it doesn't matter that TVs and phones existed. Like in this movie, it really matters. Like, like without TV, this, this, their plot doesn't work with, you know, like, right it matters what age we're in in this movie. And I think it really sets you up for like, we are in a product of 1982 at this point. Yeah. This is kind of a, this is a techno horror in a way. So right. it, it's very fitting that they have the synthy score that they have. The digital pumpkin is a very prominent motif. Um, I think they like, they really made a very rounded package with it from, with those elements. Let, let's talk about Dr. Chalice himself a bit more. I'd love to. Let's I feel do like it. I feel like his character has not been highlighted enough. He's just he's such a a goofy guy. Uh, uh he he's really appreciate like, that description. <laughs> he's just he's one of the more unusual protagonists I've ever seen from a film like this because he's like I, he's not incompetent, but he's not like competent either <laughs> he's definitely not competent <laughs> yeah he like uh, i mean he's a drunk right and so like that's a big problem like <laughs> yeah that's a big part of it that's part of why um like his wife doesn't trust him uh and that's definitely like built up as a part of their pre-existing relationship uh and <laughs> It's present even when they're like seriously investigating this thing. Like they show up in the town and they're like, they checked into this motel. He's like, it's getting dark. It's time for a drink. And yeah. Like, what, what are you doing, dude? Like, it's like in conduct. He's like, I could use a drink. And he like goes out and wanders the alleys of Santa Mira. Like, what's wrong with you? It's like you're uh, in this really creepy town that's like everything is owned by this corporation that you're investigating and suspicious of. And you're like, oh, I, I'm just going to go out and have a drink, whatever. Like you think the town and the company might somehow be related to a murder. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go hang out, have a drink straight from the bottle with this hobo I met. <laughs> um. Yeah. Let's be clear. We here at Buzzed On Movies are always in favor of having a drink, but absolutely, I would be a little a little weary in this sort of situation. <laughs> yeah, if you're like solving a murder, maybe not. Um, you know, just like think about it. And he's also like, you know, he's stringing on this like woman who worked in the morgue, like we mentioned. He's sleeping with the daughter of the man whose death he's investigating. Um, Which is like a weird relationship that develops, by the way. And it was cause... like sort of his patient until he died. Like, like he was helping with this guy's, like, you know, when this guy got brought to the hospital. And he's just like, oh, I'm just going to date the daughter now. Um, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't. She's yeah. like not emotionally... I, I mean... I don't know. Just as like a human, if I met somebody right after their parent died, I would probably not be like, now is the time to get into a relationship with them. <laughs> she's not in a good place. Also, she's especially like 20 when, years younger than him. Right. Especially <laughs> when you're a man who's 
old enough to be her father and she just lost her father. Like, maybe don't pursue that because there might be some issues that are happening that she's not really prepared or able to articulate that you as an older person who knows what's going on and didn't know her dad who just died could see um, because very- I can see it when I'm watching it. I'm like, she has dad issues and that's why Absolutely. she you. Um, yeah. But it's very, it's very sketchy. It's very weird. At the same time, I just admire how trashy it is. Like, Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. It's guy- very like film noir that he would be like unabashedly trashy. Except for, like, he doesn't get, like, the benefit of being, like, particularly good at being the detective either. Like, in a lot of noirs, they're, like, they're, like, the trashy ones who will sleep with, like, the person who hired them to solve the crime. They're sleeping with them, and it's fine. And there's, like, a 15-year age gap, and who cares? Um, They're drunk because they're drinking martinis every two seconds, but, like, no one cares. And this thing, like, he's doing all of that, and he's kind of sucking. He's not doing a great job. Like he's getting like he's getting his ass handed to him by robots left and right. He can't stop Cochran, who's just like a a grinning man. Like he doesn't even really do anything. <laughs> like he just like smiles. He looks like the fucking thing from Truth or Dare. Like he's just like <laughs> smiling in a corner twenty four seven. And like Cochran's like best thing is that he like can what kill these like dummies who drive up in an rv like okay well yeah you fooled middle america who wasn't used to coastal elites i guess like (laughs) um like and he's just like oh gotta stop it but it like you know like he tries to make calls and can't get through to anyone and nobody can get through to him and instead of thinking maybe there's something wrong with the phone lines in a town that's run by one company who's clearly sinister He's like, I have to go into the company and stop it. Get out of the town and go get backup. Like, it's not hard. Just go get help. It wasn't that far, but he's a dumbass. He can't do that. So he sucks. He's not good at it. And it's because he's drunk and horny. Yeah. I mean, like, to be clear, the only reason he, like, actually figures out what's going on is because he gets captured and Cochran basically explains to him everything. Yeah, Cochran monologue. So, yeah, it's, like, he knows that something shifty is happening, but he doesn't really, like, piece it together at all. He kind of has it dropped in his lap. Yeah, Um, and then he's like, no, I could stop it. Um, Well, can you? Because you didn't, so. His only, only, uh, like, shining moment in this is his ability to break out of that, like, being tied up to watch Halloween and then foil like I, he doesn't even foil the plot but he does kill the robots which is kind of clever so i'll give him that one but yeah it's it's i he, mean he kills cochran and we have to talk about cochran's death scene because yes. that's like very funny um, cochran like after all the robots dies cochran just sort of like claps he's like well, okay, so I think the big thing that Cochran knows is happening is that it doesn't matter if Chalice kills him. Because, like, the, he's like, well, commercials airing no matter what is is Cochran's thought, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's also completely, I mean, in Cochran's defense, it's bonkers that Chalice is able to call 
a TV studio and convince them by screaming to just turn off a commercial. That's yeah, like I genuinely mean, insane and would not happen. Yeah. Uh, Getting two out of three to uh, turn it off is pretty pretty substantial. Do we know that there are three total? Are we like fully certain of that? I, the way he's talking about it, it seems like that's the third one. Like I that's just the can't... only other one. He's the the third what is it? channel. Is it just like? It. Is it like? The oh, it's channel. CBS. Yeah. NBC and ABC, those are the only channels airing this commercial. I feel I like mean, that's wrong. Like, I feel like Fox well, is airing it. I just in think like nineteen eighty two, there might have only been three channels. That's so. true. I would have to look into that. Um, I don't actually know. Uh, so, but even so, that's still like a third of the children of the world. Um, yeah, I mean, and so. many of them probably just switched the channel. Like like the kids in the like the kids did that we were watching. Um, so Cochran's probably like it doesn't matter. You're doing. We're still gonna win. And then he also knows that fucking Chalice is running around with a robot who's on Cochran's side, who's gonna like try to stop him. So like Cochran's like I've won. Like it doesn't matter what you do to me. Like somehow your Shamrock plan didn't kill the girl who was standing next to you, who was one of us, but it did kill all the rest of us, but that's okay. Cause it didn't kill her questions. I don't know. I have a lot of them, but <laughs> Cochran, when he dies, he like becomes this like weird glowing fuzzy screen. I don't really like, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like die beam, like everything else. <laughs> a beam comes out of the rock from Stonehenge and like sort of envelops him. And he like turns into this white, smiling, fuzzy shape. It's like and really creepy. It's creepy. Just sort of dissolves. It's it's very weird. It's unclear like if he dies or he gets like absorbed into the rock. I think he's he... taken back to the mothership. I think he's coming back in a thousand years. Yeah, I mean, could be, you know, like he's a witch, so he could, you know, who knows what he's capable of. Right, they were like, you failed, sort of, so we'll just bring you back with us and see what happens. Um, I think that's what's going on, but I don't really know. It's very hard to say, but it is really weird the way he dies, because like, the the Stonehenge lasers have a specific reaction on the other things we see, and it's not to just disappear them. Like, <laughs> it at least like transforms their organic matter into something else, generally speaking. So Yeah. No, Cochrane is clearly a special case. So who knows what he's capable of. We could eventually see a sequel to this movie where Cochran comes back. Could you imagine Halloween 3 Season of the Witch Part 2? Um, <laughs> which also is a great name, and they should use exactly that. Um, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> um, I, I would watch a sequel to this, especially if it shows like what the fallout of that horrific Halloween night would be. It'd probably be called like Halloween... 2049 season of the witch (laughs) um that's how we're doing sequel names now yeah yeah um i would watch it too i would really watch that i think one thing this movie does it's like genius is that as a child before i'd ever even seen this movie i was like if you ever give me a mask that wraps all the way around my head i will murder you so (laughs) uh it was it really played on a, a fear that i already had uh which was nice as a yeah. kid, I would have been very terrified of this movie. As an adult, it doesn't really scare me so much as just intrigue me. But 
I remember seeing this as a kid and not I didn't see well, it as, like a kid. as a young kid, but I don't even remember. I don't think I'd even seen the other Halloween movies before I saw this one. Oh, this I definitely might, had. <laughs> this might have been the first Halloween movie that I saw. Um, wow. So as far as I was, was the next one that we're going to watch. <laughs> yeah. As far as I was aware, like Halloween was an anthology series and uh, I was very scared of this movie. Like just the idea that like a toy that you own could betray you as a kid. That's very scary. What do you think about child's play? I didn't see that until I was an adult, <laughs> but I would definitely have been creeped out. Um, <laughs> um, child's play was one of the earlier ones that I saw. The first Halloween movie I saw was Halloween four. So uh, we'll talk about that experience next time. But oh, yeah. Um, this movie, I, I distinctly remember... I do remember the first time I saw it. I was in, like, late high school. And I had seen a lot of the other Halloween movies, but I grew up in a family that, like, quote-unquote likes horror. But, like... I don't know. I don't want to say anything negative. But, like, it's, like, we like horror and that we like, like... Jason's killing people. Michael's killing people. <laughs> Jigsaw's tearing people apart. Like, you know, like, that's the kind of movies I would watch with my family. Like, um, and so like, you know, the big horror, the big bloody horror movies that everybody saw, yeah. you know? Um, and so like this movie was like decidedly, like I would hear about they're like, Oh, you don't want to watch Halloween three. It was bad. Like I would hear that all the time growing up. So I distinctly remember the first time I watched it and I was like, wait, that was really cool. Like, <laughs> like yeah. this was really weird because I'd already developed a, a passion for other varieties of horror other than Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 starring Jessica Biel. So like, you know, I moved on. But yeah, it's definitely a very different kind of horror. Like every other Halloween movie is obviously like a slasher. And this one is like, like a supernatural kind of horror mixed with like techno horror and um it's very different it's a very unusual movie but i I think it works really well this movie's like pre-apocalyptic like when this movie's done we're like in the apocalypse like (laughs) like a ton of kids have just died like yeah (laughs) this would be like the fallout from something like this would be insane um so that's like too bad sorry um (laughs) sorry kids um, at least Michael Myers isn't going to be killing a lot of kids in Halloween four after this movie, except for the one that he's after, but like, you know, <laughs> um, yes. Uh, Halloween four, the cursed child, so, the cursed child. You have to put an accent over the E. Um, <laughs> this movie is very, it's just like very odd. And like every time I watch it, I feel like I feel I don't want to say differently about it, but it like it like hits me in a different way every time. I'm like, this is just a, a very strange movie that holds up surprisingly well. Yeah. Given that it is like, you know, like sort of like techno horror. It's about like technology. So you would think like horror that deals explicitly in like then contemporary technology often is not good like five years later. Like <laughs> right. there's a lot of horror that will be like oh, we're scared of the internet now. And you watch it and you're like, well, that turned out to all be (laughs) nonsense. So that's fear.com. Fear.com. Stay alive where it's about like PS1 video games. (laughs) um, That's a great one. You know, like you're not, I don't know. So like 
those are like things where it's like you you know it, it, they often don't hold up but this movie that's like because it's not i guess because in this movie it's not really about the technology itself being the problem it's about like something that's very real and very powerful co-opting that technology and that's yeah you know like it's about like these this corporation that like says oh this power that we've created where we can broadcast to millions of screens around the world can be used to kill millions of people like that yeah. is something that's far scarier than just like oh this thing that broadcasts into every house in the nation might just decide to kill you one day because like nobody thinks that and will ever believe that and also that's ridiculous <laughs> but like you know fear.com thinks that maybe but you know so I, I think that's why it works so well because it, it isn't just like about like oh you should be afraid of this technology forever it's you should be afraid of these massive unchecked things that are using it and have access to just like fully take over it whether or not they should or have any say in this technology like Silver Shamrock does not own the TV. Like, and like doesn't yeah. own the airwaves. It it doesn't work in TV. It works in rubber mask production. Like <laughs> Yeah, that's their their thing. Um, yeah, I feel like you could um you could make this movie today with relatively few changes and it would still work just as yeah. well. Like uh definitely the ideas behind it are still very relevant. And the technology in it is really not that different. Like, if no, anything... the technology it uses is fine. the The problem is that like people get their TV so many different ways now that it'd be yeah. hard to like. But if anything, it way, but it'd be easier to get it onto every screen right now. Yeah, yeah. If anything, like, <laughs> like a company that was trying to do something like this would have more ways of getting their message in front of people's eyes today than they did in 1982 i think the problem you'd have was getting the masks on the kids heads now like i think that back like i mean we talked about how masks were like maybe never a big thing like but like i think that it's easier to believe that kids would go all in on masks in 1982 than 2020 um just because there's yeah i mean right now if a kid wants to like I don't know. On Halloween, a kid probably wants to watch a scary movie. I think a lot of people, I think horror is like a big thing again right now in culture. So kids would just watch dumb, scary movies. Everybody loves dumb, scary movies. They would, if they wanted to go out and be scared, they wouldn't put on a rubber mask themselves. They'd go to like a haunted hayride. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah. I think that you'd have the harder thing would be the mask thing. You'd have to change that up to make it. You might make that. it like a kind of a different kind of costume or something. You'd probably make it a Snapchat filter and it'd be a PG-13 <laughs> Bloomhouse horror film. There we go. Maybe All called right. Countdown. Um, Wait, hold like, on. <laughs> you're, you're giving them you're giving them free ideas right now. Um, I'm going to write the Snapchat filter horror movie. <laughs> And it's going to be good. Um, what if a Snapchat filter, but it kills you? Oh, yeah. what if uh, I would be in? I would use the filter, but like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, things are getting better. Um, 
I think, yeah, I don't know. I think you're right, though. I think that generally you don't have to change that much. I think that so much of this, like, the anxieties that this movie reflects play into a lot of anxieties that we already, that we currently still have. Like, things have not gotten better. In fact, in a lot of ways, things have gotten worse. So, <laughs> um, you know, like, right now we're dealing with a pandemic that is being made worse because we have to bail out big corporations and corporations are hoarding masks instead of, like, Oh my God, they're hoarding masks. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they're hoarding uh, masks. What if, uh, what if the masks actually had a piece of uh, Stonehenge? In we're enlisting private companies to create masks for our doctors. <laughs> they're all going to turn into cockroaches. Oh my God. And then it's going to uh, be like Mimic when the giant seven foot tall cockroach man comes after everyone. <laughs> Like you oh should see God. it. It's directed by Guillermo um, del Toro. Please watch it. Um, <laughs> I need to watch this movie now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is kind of funny to look at like '80s horror movies that are all like, "Oh, the evils of commercialism," and be like, "Brother, you don't even know what commercialism is like. Just wait till you see 2020. Just, yeah, wait till you see the hellscape that is America right now." <laughs> Like, when people are actively debating whether corporations are people or not. Uh, yeah. Who was it who what, said corporations are people? Was that? Well, Mitt Romney, but he, was wasn't, Romney, yeah. he, it wasn't his idea. Like, right. the Supreme no, 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 no absolutely not. But the one who famously said, like, the, the phrase. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, great times. We, we live in fantastic times for political-based horror. And uh, I'm sure we're going to be seeing many horror movies come out that uh play off of what's going on right now oh yeah in like three to five years we're gonna like it'll start within like the next year yeah like, maybe like the next two years because i think that probably film production is gonna be slowed down for like a year about yeah um, that's 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 the problem is that they're, they're gonna have to to ramp everything back up again but you know there's people out there writing this stuff right now but like, yeah i was gonna say i think we're gonna see immediate influx of horror that's like a lot of it's going to have to do with like isolation and like, you know, we're all social distancing right now. That's what a lot of it's going to have to do with. I think that like the like yeah. virus based horror is like a few years, like, cause I think a lot of it's going to want to have see like the way it all plays out first before there's like people write like stories of like actual pandemics necessarily. I think a lot of like, it is going to use the isolation backdrop first is what we'll see. Yeah. And yeah. Cause that to, like the whole thing. That in its own way is kind of creepy. Like I, I think I, I told you this the other day that going out right now is kind of like being in the world of it follows, but like everyone is the creature that's stalking you. Yeah, like um, you're just. I live in New York City, so yeah, I know. Um. <laughs> you're just constantly worried that like anytime anyone is close to you, you're like trying to get away from them. <laughs> so yeah, like, it is the it's isolation. Scary scary yeah yeah and so like i mean i do think people are going to create like disease based horror anyway but that had already been circulating and like you know we'd had horror based on that within the past decade or two for a while like 28 days later was famously about that um you have it follows which is really about diseases and like communicable yeah. diseases obviously um the ring like STD, the ring specifically but... is about the spread of i mean you 
the movie doesn't do it as much justice, but like the ring, the books are literally about a virus. That's what it is. It like, oh. it breaks like your, yeah, it's like, you should read the books. It, it's really cool. It has to do with like your, your brain stem. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so I love the books. They're less scary, but they're really good. And it is about a virus. And like some of the later movies sort of got into that. Unfortunately, the later movies were shitty. Um, the grudge is sort of about that. It's like this thing that like, if you even come into contact with it, you carry it with you everywhere you go. And it can infect the house that you then go to and take out everyone around you. Like it's like, and so like we've been doing this for a while. And so like, obviously we'd all had mass illness on our brains as just like a thing. So I think that the bigger thing that's going to come out of this, is just like this weird period where we're all about to spend like months alone. Like, like, yeah, and that's very frightening and scary. Like, I was on a work call today where they were like, "Yeah, just assume that for the foreseeable future, you're not coming into the office." Like, right. and that's like scary. Like, I mean, I don't like going into the office anyway. I prefer to work from home, but like, a lot of people don't feel that way, and so it's like, oh, these people are just not going to see anyone for a long time. Yeah. I'm not going to see anyone. I right now is like the most interaction I've had with a human in like two weeks. So like, <laughs> great. Um, yeah. I mean, even well, when I've gone to the store, it's like, I go in and like, I don't know, like I went to the grocery and pharmacy and the liquor store yesterday. And it was like, got a few things from the grocery, namely like milk because milk actually goes bad. I don't, you know, you have to actually go out for that. Um, and I went to the pharmacy cause I needed, my meds and then i went to the liquor store and it was like every single place i went it was like we did not speak we didn't even make eye contact like it's like we weren't looking at one another when we spoke so i was like i might breathe on you and like i'm just telling you new york city is coming out of this traumatized like oh yeah we are all in a very bad way here <laughs> i sort of, i sort of feel like even as um like we're being directed to stay like far apart from people there's also like more of an urge just not to even talk to people because it's like you, you feel physically distanced from people. You're like just naturally afraid of everybody around you. And that like makes you less likely to even want to talk to people, even if you are like six feet away or whatever. Absolutely. It's I don't like, wanna like I'm scared though. Like we all know it spreads through like droplets that you cough out. Like you can speak those out too. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah I you're think, just I think like suspicious right. of everyone around you like do you have it like are you coughing what's going on i mean you, know, you have to be it naturally makes you like distrust other people man we need to cover cabin fever like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah maybe we'll talk about that at some point um I'll, i'm gonna try to i think i'll watch that i'll watch that and the remake this weekend that's my challenge for myself <laughs> um uh yeah, I'm I'm trying to watch more disease-based horror. Yeah, like, you've been like it. living that life. I I, I watched I watched Contagion and like I I do feel like it sort of helps you process it in a way. I like I think that's some, true for a lot of people and I totally get that. I think that's Some people right. like to watch like comforting movies when they're in like busy when they're in the midst of being traumatized. Like I prefer to just watch like the most like horrific stuff that i can i feel like it helps me process it better so it's why i like horror in a way no that is why i like horror i think that like being a horror enthusiast and i think we can both safely call ourselves like major horror enthusiasts like 
we we're both like prepared like for the worst essentially like like at any given time it's like oh i have seen how terrible things can get because i watch so much horror like <laughs> um like no matter what happens here i promise you it's not as bad as 28 weeks later so <laughs> oh jesus um, yeah like you know that's like sort of a plus we've internalized what horror is but like at the same time, like, I don't really need to watch disease-based <laughs> outbreak right. horror necessarily in the same way. And I don't, but, like, things that are tangentially related, like, I watched Mimic, which was, re- it is about an infestation. And, like, if you get the roaches, it can be bad. Like, I watched Signs, which is about, like, isolation and, like, locking yourself away and just having to fight out what comes in. Like, and I, I think that in a certain way, I am watching those things and, like, there's like horror movies. I like, I really want to watch the strangers in the next few days. And like, that Ooh, is like yeah. an isolation horror movie where it's just like these people in a house, you know? And so yeah, like, geez, can you imagine something like the strangers happening right now? Well, the fortunate thing is that nobody wants to get this disease. So the killers aren't coming for you because yeah, they don't want to get true. it either. Um, that's true. All you have to do is cough at them. They'll run away. The crazy thing is like, if you look at like statistics, like, like people who like, you know, like two months ago, who had even just like heard of Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, they were like, oh, it's like 70% of people know about the Democratic primaries. People who just like know about this is like 99.9% of people. Like <laughs> everybody knows. We're all aware. Oh, Everybody's yeah. scared. Like <laughs> um, it is, it is odd to, it, it's the most like unifying event of all. Like if you think about something like, I don't know, the Oscars or the Super Bowl, they're supposed to be like big events, but only a certain portion of the population um, actually pay attention. Everyone has to know about this. So we're so, all in this together. Mm, Zac Efron. We all, like, we, <laughs> sorry. Um, we did, like, yeah, I think that, like, that's true. I think the last thing, I mean, nobody who's alive, like, right now has ever lived through anything quite as Big? like i mean like what like polio was the last like this serious outbreak i don't even I like there may be a few people alive who lived through the 1919 spanish flu epidemic. spanish flu yeah starting uh, to become a pretty apt comparison to what's going on right now yeah spanish flu is definitely apt um so like but like the last time the country even came like i'm specifically speaking about our country the united states that's where we live um that the last time the, this country even came this close to something that like unified everyone was like 9-11, right? Like where it's like everybody knew about yeah. it. Everybody was talking about it. That's all anybody had on their brains. Like everything else was just like wiped clear. Like even like, I don't know, like even like me who like has been like very politically active and like phone banks and stuff. Like I'm not even like phone banking right now. Like, <laughs> like all I'm thinking about is like this fucking virus. Like... <laughs> It's like what like what do you do? Like the the best way to deal with this apparently is to do nothing. Do not like you can't go out and organize to deal with something like this. You're I literally can't go out and organize, and that's crazy. Like it's like because that's what I mean. I've done a lot of that. I've done a lot of, like canvassing. I've done going to rally. Like you know, like that's something that I enjoy doing, and I can't do any of that. Like, <laughs> um. It's like crazy. I feel like I'm like, I feel like 
both very disconnected from the country and like everybody else and also like very connected because it's like all i do is like watch the news and read the news (laughs) and think about the news like we're all just it's (laughs) like you it's like wake up 9 a.m and then it's like 16 hours that's nice you wake up at 9 a.m um i don't wake up at 9 a.m uh wake up Wake up whenever you wake up. Then like grab your brush and put a little makeup. Yes, <laughs> but it's like you wake up and it's like your schedule is like wake up sixteen hours of the news and then go to bed. Yeah, that literally is it. Like I will literally try to find things to do. I'll be like, I'm gonna play Madden because it's the most mind numbing thing I can do. I'm just like picking football plays for an hour, and then like halfway through, I'll be like, I must check the news. And then I find myself reading like an hour of New York Times articles. Like, Jesus Christ, there's no escaping. And I don't really want to. I want to know what's going on. But also, I don't. I need to play more video games. That's You do, it's helpful. But you have to pick your games. Like, don't play, like, there are just some games don't. Don't play Left 4 Dead. It's not fun right now. Um, <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna try to finish Last of Us finally. Which Last is, of Us is maybe not fun either. Extremely um, relevant right now. Last of Us is like so heavily plot based. I actually, yeah, I think Last of Us would be worse. Left 4 Dead would be better. I would play Left 4 Dead right now because it's just like I can play like a fun shooting zombies game. Yeah, Left 4 Dead is like humorous zombie killing. Yeah, I can't play like a dramatic story of these people in this zombie outbreak. Like, I can't do it. And, like, Walking Dead is happening, and, like, it's been trending off and on within the past, like, two weeks, and I'm like, I can't do that. Like, it's great that y'all can watch The Walking Dead right now, but, like, I I can't watch that on a weekly basis. People are saying, people are saying, like, no, guys, like, this season of The Walking Dead is actually good. I'm like, you're not gonna get me back. I'm not gonna fall back into it. Okay, yeah, like, first of all, it hasn't been good since, like, somewhere in season three. But, like, second of all... <laughs> I'd argue season two, but okay. You're probably right. Um, I watched the... I watched all of... Like, I watched all of season two as it was happening. But, like, season three, I binge-watched with a friend of the pod and her then-boyfriend and my then-boyfriend. Wow, weird times. And so um, <laughs> we watched, like, the first six episodes together, and then I don't think any of us ever watched anymore. So, um, and we watched it all on, like, one night, those six episodes, um, <laughs> while drinking I, zombies. I watched, um, like, the first probably. two or three. I watched, like, the first two or three seasons live, and then I went through several phases where people were like, it's good now, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to catch up, and I, like, watched binge several seasons to catch up and then like eventually something happened that i was just like oh i'm not doing this anymore and so like that's happened like twice and now i'm at the point where i was like i'm not i'm not doing it again i'm sorry like i there were lots of good times to be had in there but like there's just there's just not enough there i i don't even believe that like at its best it was really worth it and and like i really did like the first season or two but me too. So like, it, it's not worth getting back into at this point. No, I, just, I can't I think prob- make the investment. I think you're right. I, so my story with walking dead is that one, I've read the comics. I love the comics. I think they're very, very good. Um, it's one of the only zombie medias that I regularly have consumed in my life because I think zombies are often poorly used just as a metaphor. There's just, nobody knows how to use zombies anymore. And 
there's such sure. a specific use for them and people don't know what they're doing. Not everyone is George Romero, unfortunately. Not everyone. I do think Anna and the Apocalypse knew how to use zombies. They did it well. I that love Anna good. and the Apocalypse. Yes. Um, I like that. So, um, also, I like Train to Busan. Train to Busan was a good movie. And Ooh, I need to see that. Yeah, you should see it. Um, but I think The Walking Dead was like very good for its first season. The first season was great. Um, and we all remember when The Walking Dead started. It was like a phenomenon. Yeah. Um, that was incredible. The first season was amazing. The there whole, were a the lot of like part... good shows that started in like that one like five year time span that like everybody screamed about, right? Like The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Breaking Game Bad, Game of Thrones. Yeah, like Walking and they Dead. all started so. Mad Men started a little earlier. Um, and most of those shows I did not keep up with afterwards. Walking Dead is one of those shows that did not continue to keep up with. Um, but The Walking Dead was very good for its first season. Its second season was fine. The third season was just like dumb. And like, I need to, I, I just need to clarify to the friend of the pod who's going to listen to this that maybe it wasn't her boyfriend <laughs> at the time. Um, but they've become so inextricably linked in my mind that like that was her boyfriend at the time. I don't think he was though. So I feel really bad about now saying that. Um, <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen because why would he? But like, she definitely <laughs> does. Um, this is getting very inside baseball right now. But uh, this uh, is okay. like this is like everybody's listening to an episode of the OC. Like, um, <laughs> like um, but like they were like definitely on track to date and he wanted to date her already, is all I'm gonna say. So like if it wasn't happening, I like in my brain it was happening already. So anyway, um and she's gonna text me about hearing this and it's we're only <laughs> Very slightly on track right now. Please We're not don't talking about Halloween 3 season of The Witch right now. Um, <laughs> but it just like got so like I have watched some episodes since. Like I really like the character of Michonne. I love her. I think she's awesome. And so like I've watched some things with her just because I want to watch her. I think she's a cool character. Um, yes. Yes. She's cool. I think that they have done whatever with her because they've just done whatever with the show. Um, I think that I also watched the episode full spoiler because this was like almost as big as like when they killed Ned Stark. Ugh, spoiler. Um, but like when they killed on hell of a TV right now, they killed what's his name? Um, with the baseball bat and the nails. Um, oh, I didn't even make it that far. Uh, it was like season six or seven. You know the one. It was like it was the one hundred. It was the one hundredth issue of the comic or whatever. And so, it like, it's like this like infamous comic book that has lived in like the horror of all of the fans of the series. Like, we all remember <laughs> when this issue came out, and we were just like, "You killed him!" Like, because he's like a fan favorite, and like everybody loves him, and Glenn, right? And so. Everybody loves Glenn. Nobody wants to see Glenn die. He's like a sweetheart. And he just like gets like fucking pummeled by a baseball bat. He just like gets his like head beaten in. And like that's horrifying. And so um, like I watched that episode and it was sort of like I hadn't quite finished the third Game of Thrones book at the time. So I didn't really know about the Red Wedding when it happened. But I can say... Watching that episode on TV was what it must have felt like to be a book reader when the Red Wedding episode aired. Like, oh yeah, 
and just like watching everybody flip their shit <laughs> and you're just like hey. the book readers were like yep well <laughs> i've been waiting for it so um it must have been like that only not as good gotta say <laughs> the red wedding is way better that's like a seminal television moment but like <laughs> the red wedding is pretty epic um yeah. so yeah um <laughs> that's our takes on the walking dead i guess um why not it's I, we're in quarantine we're all dying i don't i don't i i'm saying right now i'm not gonna catch up on it but who knows what the quarantine will do we never know from day to day no like, there's the, nothing i i'm definitely not catching up on the walking dead is there a show <laughs> that you're thinking about watching that you feel like you shouldn't but you're thinking about it because of um, the quarantine because there <laughs> have been some things that i've definitely been like mm, i could do that like <laughs> um I don't think like I have too many things that I've like been meaning to get to to like really watch something that I don't think I'll end up liking. But I don't know. I started watching um the the new HBO series The War Against America and uh of oh, also I like that book. Sorry. The Plot Against America, right? It's the Philip the Roth. Plot Against America. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I saw that it was based on a book and I'm, I'm planning on reading that next once i finish once i'm what i'm reading right now i read that in one of my jewish lit classes in college it's like oh, really cool. good the book is really really good you should read the, it. the show it seems pretty good so far so i i like i watched that last night um what watching twin peaks right now Which and is great. possibly going to finally watch the sopranos at some point which oh, is I can't do that okay yeah um, that's a big big watch but you're choosing like much smarter tv i really respect <laughs> that um <laughs> i mean to be clear this is after i've spent the last month or so watching like 90 day fiance and stuff like that so oh, so i don't do stuff like that like i just like can't do it um because i'm like such a like i don't know i, I don't know what i i don't know i just can't so i'm thinking i might watch the 4400 um i've been wanting to watch it for a really long time you know that you know the the 4400 right yeah 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 that it was that the weird like sci-fi suspense show that came out at one point i've been like really tempted to watch the entire series and i'm thinking i'm going to um oh dear that's well, like my big i might also get into westworld we'll see but we'll see oh westworld is really good i like that i'm excited for this new season I don't know if I will get into Westworld. I'm just saying I might try. I'm very picky about TV. I don't watch a lot of TV. So. It's like, but if I get into something, I'm going to finish it in like two weeks. Like. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll, all right, I like to binge. Yeah. Um, but like, if I don't like it, I will drop it very quickly. Um, rip to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm still like. Oh, no. Two seasons in. Like, I like, I just, and I like it. It's just like, it's not one of those things where I like love it. So I can't just like watch it over and over and over. Not like I could with like Parks and Rec or The Office where it was like, just keep going. Or like Party Down where I think I finished it all in like a week. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's supposed to be pretty good. Oh my God. You would yeah. actually really like Party Down. It's like a oh, very dry humor. It's, you would really like it. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll get around to that. We'll see. But well, you're gonna have yeah. a lot of time. So there's lots of time right now. We might end up talking about some TV stuff as well because that's literally 
That's literally what we're being reduced to at this point. But keep... if we if we talk about TV, we have to talk about horror. We have to talk about Scream, the TV series. <laughs> we have to talk about Slasher, the TV series. And I could do oh, yes. some Slasher talk. I um, do. I do like Slasher. That was good. I like Slasher too. I think it's underrated. Um, uh, American Horror Story, obviously. American Horror Story. We could talk about um, what was that show that aired? It was like Australian. Um, <laughs> it was. It was. Um, and it was like. Every episode was named after like the sound that it would make when one of the characters died, like the big death that episode. Um, so you had episodes named like Snap Crackle Pop or whatever. I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure that was an episode. I know that sounds ridiculous because it's the, you know, crispy, whatever Rice Krispies slogan. But I'm pretty sure there was a Snap Crackle Pop episode. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's really good. It was like it only ran for one season, but it's like actually good. Like, <laughs> um, and well, it's like, it was like, yeah, it's good. So we'll see. But, but we, we, we may be getting into TV at some point. I don't know. We'll, we definitely have many more films that we want to discuss on this podcast. So we'll, I mean, we're going to watch Halloween four and keep that going around. Yeah. Next, next time we're going to be bringing you. Halloween four, possibly some of the other Halloweens too, because we want to sort of group them up a bit, but we'll see what we're able to get to. But in the meantime, um, we've got all of our back catalog available. You can find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and Spotify, all the major platforms. Um, if you like what we're doing, leave us a review and subscribe. And, um, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at buzzed on movies, and you can also send us an email at buzzed on movies at gmail.com. I mean, nowadays just, you know, tell us, tell us what to watch. We're always open for new ideas. And oh my gosh, uh, yeah, that'd be really fun. Also, actually getting yeah. suggestions of what to watch. We also, uh, we also want to hear what you're watching during this quarantine. So, yeah, just feel free to shoot us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. And uh, is anybody watching Rec? Is anybody watching Rec? Please watch Rec. <laughs> I do like Rec. Yeah, watch Rec. <laughs> watch Rec. Um, as always, we'll see you one day at the movies. Yeah, but like in the meantime, we'll see you in like the letterbox review section. <laughs> we'll we'll be there. Yeah. yeah. See you then, you jellico fucks. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs>